promises of Abraham. We're going to study Abraham in the book of Genesis. Not this morning, but in a few weeks we'll get there. But for now, I would like to encourage you to take your copy of the Scriptures and turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. It's a nice cold water to drink as I'm preaching. I'm wearing a mask, so I can't. Frustrations, my friend. <laughs> well, friends, before we dive in on this very, very critically important passage, let us pray. Our Father in heaven, God, we ask that your Holy Spirit move among us here today. Give us eyes of understanding. God, in an understanding, help us to see how we ought to live in light of these truths. Help us to live in a way that honors you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Perhaps you've heard of the man who rushed to his doctor, pleading to get in to see him right away, and the doctor accommodated and and he said, Doctor, Doctor, help me. I swallowed one of those do-not-eat packets in the package of pepperoni. And he says, am I going to die? The doctor looked at him and said, well, everyone's going to die. And the man screamed out, oh, what have I done? Oh, my friends. I tell you, Adam could have said the same thing. Because in our passage here, what we are going to see that sin has far-reaching results in our lives and the lives of those around us. Because of one decision, everyone. We'll take a look. Genesis chapter 3. And this account, my friend, as treacherous as it is, begins with the treachery of Satan himself. And you will notice that Satan comes to Adam and Eve disguised. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Word of God tells us Satan rather often disguises himself, even as an angel of light. Be tuned to the Word of God that you may evaluate every message, my friend. Because the first thing he does is he casts doubt on the Word of God. It's just stories, right? You know, in cases, like faith. This story. Take a look at what he said. He said to the woman, casting doubt on God's word, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, well, we may not eat of the fruit of the trees, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, and that is exactly what God has said. But 
you will notice that she added a few things to God's word. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. I think uh, God had said you will surely die. Not you might die. The day that you eat the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good, you will surely die. Well, having cast doubt on God's word, he offers an outright denial of God's word. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. You will not. In other words, God is wrong. You respond to such a thing. Preposterous. God is a God of truth. He's not a God of deception. Satan is the father of lies. You will not surely die. And then she cast downs on God's very goodness. Is God a good God? How you answer that question, my friends, will determine quite a bit of how you maneuver through this life. Is God good? But you just never know. Take a look at verse 5. Casting doubt on God's cross. So Satan, having said, well, you will not surely die, for God knows but when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That's not true, is it? See, the moment they ate that fruit, they died. And so, having seen the treachery of Satan, we see the response. And the response, my friend, is a transgression. Sin against God, a holy God, a good God, who had created this perfect creation for them. For them to live in, to thrive in. They thought they were missing out. Imagine. And look at verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her. Imagine. Eve at that point decided that God is not good. That God is keeping me from something better. She cast off And if that isn't enough, she made sure to have enough to pass along to her husband. And she gave some to her husband who was with her. You always get the idea that she was alone, right? There's Adam. Eve, she was deceived by the serpent. Adam, he sinned with his eyes wide open. And there's the fall. And look at what happened instantly, verse 7. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed 
fig leaves together and made themselves warm clothes. Instantly introduced into this wonderful world that sin brought with shame. And they covered themselves. And guilt. When's the last time you felt guilt? Oh, I hope it's been since you were a kid. And you broke mom's favorite lamp that she got and that she won at the, the fair and it was so glorious, it was a big prize and, and you were throwing them all around. Boom. And there's the engine in the driveway. And you knew that sound above them all. Look at verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves. They had, previous to this, never had reason to hide anything. No shame. No guilt. No fear. We see Adam and Eve's disobedience, Adam and Eve's deception, trying to cover themselves and hide themselves. And that, my friend, is followed with Adam's despair. Verse 9, that the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? Well, not because the Lord didn't know. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. A word perhaps Adam had never used before, had never experienced. Yeah, sin's a great deal, isn't it? Shame, guilt, fear. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, the Lord speaking here, said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And here's Adam's defense. The man said, The, the, the woman who you gave to be with me, and she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. You see the only part that matters on that statement of the last two words? I. You see, ultimately, you know what Adam is doing here? He's blaming God. That woman you gave me, she was defective, and that's your fault. No responsibility there, is there? Then hmm. the Lord God said to the woman, Is there not sadness in this world, in these words? What is this that you've done? What have you done? As a believer, we rebel, and we call it small ways. And I must hear the Spirit of God whisper in our ears. What have you done? what you've done. The woman said, well, the serpent deceived me and I ate. What my fault? 
I got fooled. She believed the lie rather than the truth, and she acted on it. And this is when everything falls apart. I've entitled this sermon, What's Wrong With You? Perhaps a question that everyone has asked about themselves at some point. What is wrong with me that I keep doing this? And this passage, my friends, holds the Paul tells us that we all sin in Adam. In other words, we were all in Adam when he sinned. In other words, my friends, had you been in his exact place, he would have made the same choice. Prove me wrong. Tell me you haven't sinned. You make the same choices every time you go outside the will of God. And you agree with Adam and Eve that God is not good. And that we want something different. Then the Lord God, verse 13, said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Now we move to the serpent, who doesn't have a leg to stand on. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. The repercussions of this sin, my friends, first and foremost, the serpent is cursed. But then you will notice in verse 15, this is what we are so quick to forget when we decide it's only a little sin. No one knows. You see, verse 15 tells us that Jesus now must die. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. And that's not a helpful term here, my friends. The, the term that is helpful for us to understand is the word seed. Moses, in his recording of the word here, my friends, uses the word seed, and he uses it in, with regard to the woman. Now, since we all know our basic biology, we know that seed is connected to the man, not the woman. And this tips it, its hand that something unusual will one day come. It doesn't tell us about the virgin birth, my friends, but it tips its hat in that direction. And so the seed and the seed of a woman. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The man stepping on the head of a snake, picturing the great defeat that would one day happen when Jesus dies on the cross, pays the penalty for all sin, past, present, Because of that sin, Jesus had to die. Because of your sin, Jesus went to the cross. 
was crucified. It would do us well to know that account of the crucifixion of our Lord very well. To read it, to know every element of it, to know that when we determine we're going to do our own thing, cast aside the word of God, to know the Oftentimes, my friends, the cost is hidden. Notice here the third impact of their sin. The woman will be multiplied pain and childbirth. Verse 16. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. And in pain you shall bring forth children. Apparently, the original design was to be pain-free. Think about that, the impact of sin. Your desire, as we continue, shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Part of the original design, the woman was designed to be a helper to man. Things change after sin. And now we can move to Adam. Unto Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. And by the sweat of your face, multiplying pain and childbirth, contrary desires, you have ruled over my husband. And now with Adam, the ground is cursed, and death becomes part of life. Everyone learns about it. <clears throat> After my visit to North Carolina to visit my daughter and my granddaughters, things pop up in the minds of children. I visit Lady Allen, I think it said to her. Grandma and Papa aren't going to die, are they? Faced with the reality of death, even at the age of four. Why? Because of sin, because of rebellion against God. In the little ways, in the big ways, in the thoughts, in the words, in the actions. So we see the treachery of Satan, the transgression of Adam. And then I notice here in verse 21 through the end, the grace of God. You see, God really has an option here. Think of this, God's option. Let's kill off these two and start here. And think of how wonderful a world it would be. Then we were reminded 
that God has chosen to reveal himself in the story of man. God shows his grace. Look at verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothing not told what kind of skins they are, but we're fairly certain wherever they came from, something had to die to cover their sin. And the pattern is made. Something must die. For the nation of Israel, one sacrifice after another. Sheep, lambs, birds, oh my goodness. An endless flow of blood to cover the sin of the people of God. And then you'll notice, after providing a covering for sin, God placed some angelic guards around the door. And the Lord God said, verse 22, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. The idea is in this condition of fallenness and sin. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. And he drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and the flaming sword, turning every way to guard the way to the tree of life. The grace of God, acting for our good, protecting humanity for a day in which we would be redeemed. My friends, sin will cost you far more than you bargain once one little lie. Well, it's only one, and it's not like it cost a lot. Just take it. Take it. Take it. The price tag is never accurately recorded on the choice of sin, my friends. You never know. But it will be far worse than you think. It will take you farther than you want to go, and you'll be taken deeper into it than you ever planned. Sin will cost you far more than you bargained. So guard yourself from those who would draw you from God's word. You be careful, my friends, that you be not drawn away by that which is error. This is why you're going to go home and read this for yourself and say, is this really what this passage taught? Like the noble Bereans who were honored because they did just that when the very great apostle Paul was teaching. Peter, all of these men of God, they went home, studied it for themselves. Be sure, my friends, the Christ had. And please don't forget this. 
Don't forget this very important lesson, my friends. If you are caught in sin, run to God. Because somewhere in our fallenness, we think if we run and if we hide, somehow things will improve. They will not. Run to God if you and don't be fooled, my friend. Your, sir, your sin is harming others. You say, what harm could it do? Because you are not omniscient, you don't know the answer to that. But know that it is great. You never know who's watching. You never know who's impacted. Don't be fooled. Your sin will cost you far more than you pardon. So now you know when people are selfish. Because we have all humanity fallen in Adam. We think only of ourselves. You want to know what's wrong with you and everyone else? It's sin. Our Father in heaven, God, help us. I know that you have. You've sent your Son to be a sacrifice for our sin. Suffering and great pain for people who didn't deserve it. If anything, we all deserve hell. In your grace, you gave us Jesus. Help us to trust in you. Help us, Father, to be more aware of how we are living. To live in a way that honors you in our choices, in every word that comes out of our mouth, God, may it be said of us when we come to the end, oh, how they honor their God. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing along, my